You're listening to Illini Life Audio, messages from a community of Christian believers on the campus of University of Illinois at Urbana-Champaign. For more audio and video content, visit IlliniLife.org. All right. Four verses, I think. One, two, three, four. Four verses, one passage, a small story. Uh, Some people know it as the widow's offering. Um, And this could be one of the most important teachings that you can experience because it has to do with money and the way you think about it. If you choose to be shaped by it, then it will change how you live practically day by day. But you may not. You may not be ready to listen to what Jesus has to tell us about money and value. And that's fine. Um, But what I would ask is that you listen enough that when money and finances end up crushing you, that you remember the widow's offering. Uh, This teaching is sort of secondary. I want you to think about the widow's offering, this story that we'll read. um, And I want you to remember that so that you can get on the right track. Because we can either choose to be led and instructed by God, or we can be choose to be broken and reshaped. And so this is your choice. Um, so let's put up the passage and we'll read it. Oh, wait, go back. Sorry, Val. So uh, I always like to say exactly what I'm trying to teach you before we get started so you don't have to guess. And so there's four things. So we're going to talk about the value of the widow's offering. And so this is the first part where I try to make you understand what all's going on. It's a true parable. It's, or it's a true story. It's not a parable. Uh, everything, point two, is that everything comes from and belongs to God. So the sense that you have anything that's your possession is completely wrong and you need to get rid of it. And we can talk about what that means, but so then third, riches are deceitful above all else. And then four, how do we give like the widow today? Which, by the way, is not something that Jesus emphasizes in this passage. So I don't want you to walk away saying, well, Jesus says to give like the widow. No, he doesn't say go and do likewise. But we're going to talk about giving like the widow today based on a lot of other passages. But the emphasis in this passage is primarily on the first point. All right. If you want to open your Bibles or just read up there. And he sat down, he being Jesus, and he sat down opposite the treasury. And the treasury is a box. Um, and there's a few of them. It's, it's a place where people put in money. He sat down opposite the treasury and watched the people putting money into the offering box. Many rich people put in large sums, and a poor widow came and put in two small copper coins, which make a penny. And he called his disciples to him and said to them, Truly I say to you, this poor widow has put in more than all those who are contributing to the offering box. For they all contribute out of their abundance, but she out of her poverty has put in everything she had, all that she had to live on. Well, so how much did she put in? Next slide. So that's how much she put in. These two small copper, they're really big on the screen, but they're actually not. This is, this is, this is, I should have made them really small. Um, my bad. They were smaller on my screen. But uh, they amount to about a dime each. So it had been six minutes of labor for a day. Um, and people were not paid nearly as much back then as they are now. And one way that I was looking on how you compare value is the price of a loaf of bread. And so if you consider how much bread uh, a day's wage would buy back then versus now, you can, they're about 10 cents each. So she put in two dimes. 
This is definitely not what it looked like, but it's better than not having any picture. Um, because that looks clay-like, but it would have been metal. But the but they were described as trumpets, what they would put in. Um, and uh, and some people say sound a trumpet before you, and that's different. There were actual trumpets that people would sound to like call attention to their giving. That's not what this is. But so this is this is about this is something close to what she would have been putting into. Um, Val, next slide. Uh, so this uh, so I want I want to stress that this isn't a parable. So we've talked about a lot of parables. This is not a parable. This is a real story. This happened. Jesus watched this widow give. This is the temple uh, in Jesus' day, Herod's temple. And this is a top-down view. So we have here the court of the women. And it's not just because there were only women in here, but this is the furthest into the temple that women could go. Um, uh, Old Testament, you, there's a separation between God and man because Jesus hasn't torn down the barriers yet. And, and this separation still exists, by the way. It's just we can get all the way to the most holy place because of the blood of Christ. So here, here we have the most holy place. So you have the only person who could be in here are Jews. So Gentiles, the court of the Gentiles is all out here. I didn't even show that because that's not what we're emphasizing on. So this is where Jesus did his teaching. This is where Jesus spent a lot of time. This story takes place in Jesus' last week on earth. So he, 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 this is important enough that he was teaching in the temple a few days before he was crucified. And he chose to share this and share this example because it was really important. So we need to understand why it's really important. So there's all these gates. So the court of the women, women can come in here. And then there's the big altar that the, the great altar fire was always burning on it, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Um, always fire burning on the altar. It never went out. And there's all sorts of sacrifices for different reasons. And, and then, there, then you can go, then there's the temple entrance. There's the most holy place, or the holy place. Only priests could go here. And then the most holy place, only once a year, someone was able to go past. There was a curtain that separated. And that's where um, various, like Ark, Ark of the Covenant, um, well, in Solomon's day, it would have been Ark of the Covenant and cherubs. And so this isn't Solomon's temple. This is Herod's temple. Um, temples keep getting torn down. And this, this temple only lasted another um, 40 years from when Jesus taught. It was destroyed by Rome, Romans in 70 AD. And so, Ultimately, all of the gifts that benefited this temple were worthless because it was all destroyed in a very short period of time. Um, so out here, there's these little specks um, that some, I mean, we don't actually have a map. This is someone's guess. So again, this probably isn't what it actually looked like down to the finest detail, but this gives you a picture of something to work with. It's not inaccurate. Um, there's descriptions from other historical writings. There's 13 different treasuries or offering boxes around the court of the women. Um, and they all had separate purposes. So some you put in money instead of turtle doves. Some were for contributions for the like change you had in your pockets after you bought your offerings. Others were a free will offering. So, so each one was different and had different purpose. And it doesn't say which she gave to. Um, so this story is very brief in the amount, and you can just leave this slide up for a while. This story is very brief in how much detail is given. And so we don't know if the widow was young or old. We don't know if she had children or no children. 
We don't know if her lack of money was because she squandered her wealth. We don't know if her attitude in giving was good or bad. Uh, we don't know if she was giving the absolute last of her wealth or just a daily allowance. And, and, and that's fine, actually, because if Scripture is silent on a topic, that is as intentional as if it is verbose on a topic. And so don't grasp for straws like, or like these odds and ends when God has a very clear point. And so there's a lot of messages based on this, like, oh, you have to give what it costs you, or you, you shouldn't give, um, like, you should give like the widow. And, and those aren't necessarily bad messages, but that's not the one I'm going to give today. I'm going to emphasize Jesus's point in um, the gift. Um, so, so to make the story real, so he sat down opposite the treasury. So Jesus has just been, like, going toe-to-toe in this relatively small area. So think of, like, an enclosed quad on campus, and there's all of these angry professors who know a lot of stuff, and Jesus has been telling them that everything they know and do is hypocritical and wrong. Okay? So, like, this is not a low-stress day for Jesus. Um, and, it, and it doesn't, uh, I mean, uh, the way I read this, and again, this is my, my kind of in- interpretation, is, like, so he had, just, he had just, like, finished, and it was like, oh, he sat down. Uh, I saw these couches earlier today, and I really wanted to do this. Um, so he sat down, he plopped down, and he's like, he's been, you know, he's, he's a man. Like, he's God, but he's also a man. Like, he's weak, he's frail. Um, so he sat down, and he's just, like, zoning. Um, but he's watching, you know, he's also, and he sees, he sees, like, he's just watching people. Who knows what he's thinking? Like, is he thinking, oh, these people putting in money is good, it's bad. He's, he, he, um, and then he sees something. And after all that teaching, it's, it's important enough that whatever fatigue he had, he got up and he got his disciples together. He's like, come on over here. Come on. Everybody, get together. Get together. Um, he had a lot of disciples, right? So it's not like, hey, one person, like who, there's maybe a dozen, two dozen people spread out. He got them. He gathered his disciples. And he said, he said, Truly, I say to you, this poor widow has put in more than all who are contributing to the offering box. And, and, and these, the, the gifts, they go into a metal trumpet. So if you, if you and, the, and all currency is coins, there's no cash, there's no credit cards. So if you want to give a lot of money, it sounds like a lot of money, right? If, and, and big coins, heavy coins, gold coins, sound, make big chunks. So, so if people come with a bucket of money, like, you know, they're going to, like, it'll resound. Like, you could probably hear from that side to that side, like metal, like, you know, those change machines at the grocery store? Like, and those aren't resonating, like, trumpet-like things. So, so people have been, he- like, you, whether or not you notice it, you're hearing all this money deposited, and, you're, and, and people know each other. It's not a big community. So you're like, oh, there goes um, uh, the, the president of the university. There goes um, the mayor of Champaign. Like, you know who these people are. And they are like, oh, look at like, how much they dropped in. So Jesus calls them over, and this widow, who also people probably knew to some degree who she was, um, she, she drops in two coins that hardly make any sound. Like, probably someone, like, people tapping on the trumpet would have made similar sounds, Right. And, and so no one would have noticed. And he calls them over and, and, they, and he says that she has put in more than everyone else. And we, we kind of get this because we're supposed to. Like, but if you think about it, 
a lot of how I act and believe, um, it's not consistent with actually understanding what Jesus is communicating. So when someone, when I, when I hear about like a widow passing away or someone and they give like a million dollars to a church, like I think that's more than what I could give. When I hear about like, oh, like people are asking for support and missionary and like, oh, do you want to give like $500 a month? And I'm like, well, I could do four. It's like somehow I think I'm giving less. And, and so the most important thing you're going to walk away from today is what Jesus is trying to get his disciples to understand is that the widow gave more. Not like the same, not a lot. He, she gave more than everyone else. Um, so, so, so why did the widow give more? What did she put in? So she, it says she put in, so there's two reasons why the widow gave more. One, she contributed out of her poverty and not out of her abundance. And two, she gave everything that she had. Out of her poverty, not of her abundance, and she gave everything that she had. So, so I was trying to list what do we know about the widow, and, and, and I've, I've picked up three things. She's a widow, right? So she doesn't have a husband. She doesn't have a, a way to provide, like, work. She's not going to do day laboring. Uh, She's poor, the poor widow, and after she put in those two dimes, she has nothing left. So that's what the story tells us. So why did she give more? So I want, I want to help us understand why it is that she gave more. Um, because it turns out it's really good to give offerings to God. It's very important. And it's not because God needs the offerings. Um, so if you want to switch to the next slide. Well, let me, we can skip this one. I've been reading through it as we go. So everything comes from and belongs to God. God does not need your money. What does God want when we give offerings? He doesn't need your money. Like he owns everything. I mean, more than just like the ownership, like the only reason you can do anything is God gave you the gift of intelligence and resources and capabilities. He gave you your experiences. He keeps you breathing. The power to make wealth comes from God. It does not come from you. Like your bank account, like, well, okay, I can go out and do something. Like the only reason you have health is because God keeps you safe. God keeps you safe when you get into a car, from car accidents, from just random dangers, from like, all sorts of things. So everything, all wealth comes from God. He does not need your money. Um, throughout scripture, like God miraculously has fish spit out coins. Uh, there's hordes of gold that are distributed throughout time to various people. Um, and, and God can shift wealth instantly. God does not need your money. He has it all. So, why? Um, so, 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 sorry. Uh, it, it, it's such a simple point, but I'm trying to emphasize it because like, I, it's like, okay, this isn't complicated, but it's really hard for me to get. It's really hard for me to accept because it means that you don't own anything and our striving after that is folly. So God has everything. We can ask anything in prayer through God, yet we toil to acquire wealth. When you toil to acquire wealth, that is foolish. 
And that's different than we should be productive. There's whole passages, lots of details in scripture about how we're to work, how we're to manage money. But all of it kind of hinges on this statement from Jesus stating the value, what's valuable and what's not valuable. So the dollars, the gold, the wealth, that is not valuable. In your own, so, so one, one of the reasons why it's hard for us to understand that is the effort that would be required on our part to get wealth is significant. Right? So how much, how much time would you have to work to afford a house on minimum wage? Like a long time. Like if you think about the wealth, like the effort, and so we're like, oh, my effort is what is valuable. Like and, uh, that makes sense. Like it would take you a lot of effort to achieve these things. But then all of a sudden someone, like some wealthy uncle you didn't know about could pass away and give you enough money to buy a house. Like that. Right? And so... Wait, so God can just shift things. Or, or you can get uh, appointed a position or win the lottery or um, get a tax refund. God can get you wealth when it's necessary. There's nothing that prevents God from giving you all the wealth that he has, except there is a reason he has not given it to you. So when we toil to acquire wealth, we are discrediting God in this. So, uh, again, there, there are passages that talk about working diligently, and there's lots of things that we should do to clarify this, but toiling to acquire wealth is folly. So why did the widow, what, did, like, what was so valuable about what the widow put in? So she put in, in, in putting this in, she demonstrated faith. She realized that those two dimes were not going to sustain her. Uh, maybe, maybe she didn't. It's true that those two dimes were not going to sustain her. So I, I don't, I'm trying to be careful not to uh, glorify the widow herself because that's sort of, um, like, she could have, like, dumped, I mean, she did put them in, but, like, she may not have had the right perspective about it. But what is important is, independent of her perspective, what she did is valuable. And so those two dimes were not going to keep her even a day. And so why would you hold on to something that won't provide for you when you could give it to God and gain all of that? So the widow demonstrates her faith through obedience. And more than that, like the temple was corrupt. These were people who were devouring widows' households like her, but God still recognized her gift. So you're not giving to uh, an organization. You're not giving to a human organization. You're giving to God. And God is responsible for taking that gift. And magnifying it. Um, so the other important thing to recognize that it all comes from and belongs to God is God's given us examples for how to understand wealth and and how to understand being full. And so nothing about the examples that God gives us. So like day by day we need to eat. The dawn rises every day. Um, uh, we like there's there's nothing that we get in sufficiency all at once. But somehow we think that, well, I could just like work, make a bunch of money, and then be done. Like, and that's just a lie. Um, and we'll get to that more in the next point about the deception, but wealth and dependence on God comes day by day. And if you ever stop depending on God practically day by day, you are losing fellowship with God and going further away from God. So, so this notion about not needing God practically day by day. So this widow gave all that she had and she gained. So there's like, how is she going to eat tomorrow? She didn't have a plan. 
She was depending on God. And a lot of you could say, well, that's, that's just not, not prudent. And maybe it's not. And, and there, there, again, there's a lot of scripture you can read on and why Jesus doesn't say, go and do likewise here. Um, and, 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 and we could talk more about that in depth. But what's important is we don't lose this perspective that we need to depend on God day by day for money, for provisions. Okay, so the next point, I like this one. Riches are deceitful above all else. Um, this is just so true. Like, how many, how many people this week have spent time thinking about money? Like, worried about money? Like, uh, wanting more money? Um, so when you think about the deceitfulness of riches, so riches... Uh, uh, Riches are deceitful. Uh, it's not just like lies or distraction. It's like actively seeking your harm. So wealth seeks your harm. And so, so let's say, what are some of the ways? So wealth should terrify you. If you ever, like, if you have no money, you are in a much better place in terms of safety than if you are wealthy. Um, and that doesn't necessarily make sense, which is why we're having this message. Um, and so why, why is that the case? Um, and, and, and by the way, that's, that's, there's two parts to the widow, uh, why the widow gave, why it's so important what the widow did is she was poor and she was generous. So there are people who have no money who are not generous and they do not receive the blessing. So, so Jesus is not glorifying poverty. In fact, throughout poverty, uh, throughout scripture, poverty is seen as a curse and a, and a bad consequence. So, so Jesus isn't inverting that directly. Um, but, uh, in the same way that you don't take like world record hundred meter sprint times going downhill with the wind at your back, like if you give out of your abundance, like great, like I mean that's good, but it's not it's not anything amazing, right? So so giving out of poverty is important. So riches are deceitful above all else. So riches will enslave you. Um, there is no amount of money that you can have that you'll be less drawn towards money. Uh, riches will ruin your marriage and your friendship. Most divorces are caused by financial troubles. Riches will ruin your marriage. Like, have you ever lent money to a friend and they didn't pay you back? Was that, was that beneficial to your friendship? Um, so riches will destroy your friendships. If people get really wealthy, they lose their friends um, because they're selfish. They're, they're like, so, uh, and ultimately, riches will betray you. They fly like an eagle toward heaven. Uh, when you need them, the stock market crashes. But like riches have no permanence. So let's look at, so we talked about these other two stories. So Mark, uh, and both of these are parables, by the way, so they're not real events, but they're instructive stories that Jesus taught. So this is the, the parable of the, the sower, right? And, uh, and others are the ones who are sown among thorns. They are those who hear the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desire for other things enter in and choke the word and proves it unfruitful. So the distraction of riches. So riches are a distraction. When you spend time thinking about money and riches, you're not spending time thinking about God and his plans. And remember, God owns everything. He has everything. He could give you anything right now and he chooses not to. So why are we spending precious time that we could be using to love other people thinking about what we don't have that is intentionally not given to us by God? So 
So riches, at the very least, at the very most innocuous, are distracting. So then let's look at the next one. This is where it gets deceitful. And So this is the rich young ruler. And Jesus, looking at him, loved him and said to him, you lack one thing. Go sell all that you have and give to the poor, that you will have treasure in heaven, and come and follow me. Disheartened by the saying, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. So this man was sorrowful because he didn't want to trade his possessions which he will die and they will go away for an eternal blessing that will never go away. Jesus said, all you need to do is trade this thing that you cannot keep and get something you cannot lose, which is a quote by Through the Gates of Splendor, I think. Um, But that's like the way that we spend money and give money has eternal consequences, which is amazing because we didn't do anything to get that money in the first place. So God is allowing something that he gives to us to affect eternity for us on his behalf. He involves us in his plans. But the deceitfulness of riches, so riches cause these terrible things to happen. And unless you learn to see value like the widow does, these terrible things will happen in your life. Don't be confused. So you guys are students now, most of you, and and you don't have as big of an income as someday you will. Um, that is great. You are so much closer to being able to give like the widow now than you will be. As soon as you start making a lot more money, as soon as you start getting other responsibilities entanglements, it will, you will become closer and closer to the rich young ruler. And someday you may go away disheartened because you're going to choose the world and possessions over God. And so when that day comes, if that's what God leads you to, remember the widow's offering. You can always give everything away. Um, I've never practically run into anyone who has given away too much. I mean, people talk about, oh, you want to be smart about how you give, and I was thinking, do I need to caveat that? Like, no. Like, if you gave away all of your money, like, I I think that would probably be better for you than if you didn't give away any of your money. Um, And particularly now, um, you might not have that much money that's discretionary yours. Like, also, like, so we're we're stewards of the resources, and we'll talk about that in the next section. Um, So, but riches are deceitful above all else. So you should look to see money and wealth as deceptive. And so, uh, this is not to say that money is evil, right? So God gives us money. So God doesn't give us evil things. He only gives us good gifts. So, so why are riches both deceitful, but God gives them to him? And that, that's because Satan and the devil seeks to corrupt the most important things in our life. Um, the people you're closest to, your family, um, your wife, your, your friends, uh, God will want to destroy those relationships through fighting, through corruption. What's that? Oh, oh Satan will want to. Yeah, God will want to keep those relationships. Those are really important. Thanks, thanks. Really call me out, right? Don't let me misspeak that way. Uh, Yeah, Satan will want to destroy those relationships. God wants to keep those relationships. Those are very powerful. So when the devil moves against something in your life by seeking to destroy it, that should be a red flag that this is really powerful and important. Um, So when when you like are starting to have like a fallout with a friend, you're like, okay, God's going to use this relationship in the future to help me or help them. And you need to be on your guard against that. So riches in the same way, God can use them powerfully to bless you and to bless the church. And so that's why the devil wants to corrupt those things 
And so when you pursue the gift more than the giver, that's where the corruption comes from. When you see riches as the solution instead of God as the solution, how many people would think that their life would be easier if they had more money? Okay, that is a lie. I mean, it's just a lie. But how do we get ourselves to not believe that? That is, that is the, the, the work that has to be done. So if you think, oh, if I just had a little more money. In fact, if you're struggling with money, you might be better off and God may be answering your prayers. Like if you're struggling with money, that means that you're looking to God and needing God and depending on him is much more important than having financial success and security. Um, so it doesn't matter how wealthy you are, our dependence on God is unchanged. Ironically, the people putting in all of their money or like a lot of money versus the widow, neither of them could buy salvation. The money was inadequate for what they needed. So, So the widow was actually closer to understanding that than the wealthy people were. She knew she was poor and the scribes and the wealthy people didn't know they were poor. They were further from God even though they were in the same state. So it's deceitful. Wealth is deceitful. So earlier it talks about, so, so who, uh, the conclusion of the Mark parable is the disciples were like, this is really hard. Who can be saved? Like if rich people can't be saved. And, and, and Jesus says, with man it is impossible, with God all things are possible. So our only hope is God. We are all wealthy. We are in the United States of America. Our daily minimum wage is about 10 to 20 times what the daily wage for a like soldier would have been here. So like we are so wealthy in in the grand scheme of things. So we are the rich young ruler to some extent. We are the people that Jesus is talking about that cannot enter the kingdom except through the eye of a needle. So our only hope is God. Um, so another, uh, the final point here is, is another way that riches are deceitful is we should think, oh, we shouldn't pursue um, things that are good for me. We shouldn't pursue blessing. And that is not what the Bible is saying. What the Bible is saying is you should pursue reward and blessing that are eternal and from God. We should not pursue wealth as a proxy for blessing. And so absolutely our drive should be, I want to get reward, I want to get blessing from God that's eternal. And so don't lose that. Don't let like, oh, I shouldn't, I shouldn't have money. I shouldn't have these things. Like, no, let, let that desire, but have desire for the right things. Okay, so the fi- let's go to the final point, which is how do we give like the widow? Any questions so far? Okay. So we talked about this a little bit, but the, like, you have everything you need to give like the widow. The less you have, the closer you are to being able to do this. So generosity, giving, like giving to God. So at the very least, you should all be tithing. Like tithing is a really, so I can give you my example. So what, what does our family do here is um, we tithe. So 10% of like our income, like before taxes, before anything, you know, give to Caesars what is Caesars, give to God what is God's. So like, it's very simple. I take like my income times 10%, give that to the church. Like very easy. Like you, there's, that's, that should be the basis because everything belongs to God. So if you want to achieve this, ev- all of your possessions need to be God's. And so God has entrusted us to be able to do things with them. And so this story doesn't talk about any of the practicals 
with how you can live that out. And we've done financial courses, and there's lots of people who can get uh, details on that because we've been entrusted with great resources. So just like the parable of the talents, God gives us resources that aren't ours to be used for the kingdom. And so the parable of the talents, they didn't just like give the money away. God gave them resources to do ministry, to bless the church. And so a lot of the wealth, like uh, you probably have money from your parents at some point in time that was for housing, for tuition. And if you just taken it and given it all to like some guy on the street, like that would not be good because it's not your money to give away. Um, and so God gives you money that isn't yours to be used on yourself. And, and so, uh, but it's all God's, right? And so uh, you definitely have some discretionary money, I, I, I'm assuming. Um, and even if you don't, you have things you can give. You can give your time. So we need to be poor in the sense that we have to have uh, the perspective that we don't own these things and that the giving should come not out of abundance or extra, but about what we need and what we could use ourselves. So this isn't something you're going to do a year from now when you have an internship or when you have a job. This is something you can do this week. This is something you can do today. Um, like I said, tithing is super easy. Like So 10% of our money goes uh, to the church. Then on top of that, we also support uh, missionaries, uh, and then we support uh, local organizations because giving away money is a lot of fun. It's very rewarding. And you cannot outgive God. So the more money you give away, the more blessing you'll experience. And the closer you are to the widow and actually the closer you are to God, you should give away money until it hurts and then you can depend on God to provide for your needs. So there's some people that are like really extreme. Hudson Taylor, who led the China Inland Mission, like was challenged by this. And he's like, okay, I'm going to give away like more than 10% of my money. He ended up getting, the, the, like he was giving away 90% of his money. And he was, he was acting in ways that I might, that might be someone I would have counseled to be like, maybe, maybe this is too much. Like, but out of that, that shaped his dependence on God that he wouldn't have been able to go into China without. Um, and so if he had not had this extreme perspective of giving all of the money he had and all of his possessions away to people, he wouldn't have been in a position that God could have used him to greatly shape um, the gospel in China. And so you're trading something that's temporary for something that's eternal. Uh, you should pray. So it's like with man, it's impossible. With God, all things are possible. So pray for generosity and pray for poverty. Um, and give thanks and rejoice when your prayers are answered. So like later, like a year from now, if you pray this prayer, like I want, I want to be poor and I want to give. And like all of a sudden, like your car gets totaled and then you have this like random loan or debt that comes that you didn't know. And then give thanks and rejoice and continue to be generous. Because it, this is when your reward comes. Not when you're giving when you have plenty. It's when you're giving when you don't have enough. Um, because then you must be depending on God to provide for you. And you're close, and you then have access to everything. Like God will give you everything you need. And it's not going to be planned out months in advance. God doesn't give you that. He gives you day by day what you need. And so, yeah, it's not necessarily easy, but it's really important. So giving also reflects the gift that we've received. So if you want to look at your bank account, um, because it's actually very practical, and you want to know, hey, this gift 
matches what I've received from God. Like an offering to God is a thankfulness for what you've received, and you want to make sure that lines up. Um, and we talked about, so the last thing I want to leave you with is the, the concept of a steward, which is someone who manages resources that they don't own. And so we are stewards over creation. We are entrusted with wealth um, that is not ours, uh, and that sometimes that means we pass it on, and sometimes that means we use it for our ministries. And so Nick talked about the church's financial policy earlier, and like money that comes into us, some of it goes out again to other mis- missionaries because we believe that that generosity is really important. Uh, I think do, let's go to the summary. So the four things we covered today, the value of the widow's offering. So she gave everything she had and that value, again, Jesus' teaching is that gift is more valuable than all the wealth you could imagine. Two, it all comes from and belongs to God. Three, riches are deceitful above all else. Please remember that. Please remember that you are currently being deceived by riches and prayer and discussion with other believers is the only way to get out of that deception. And then hopefully we gave some practicals for how you could give like the widow. Um, I'm, I would be happy to talk with you guys individually if there's more questions or practical suggestions. There's also a number of people who've been through financial courses or, or giving, and you can chat with them too. Um, I'm going to pray for us, um, and then the band will come up, and then we'll, we'll close. Dear Jesus,